The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, and coming soon to Louisiana. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $10, and get $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you in part by Stable Duel. Stable Duel is the horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with a single entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, welcome in, everybody. We are ready to go with another edition of the only podcast you need to keep up with the sweet science, the fistic art, the world of boxing. I am merely the somewhat competent host. So much college basketball going on. Hey, baseball's got labor peace. I know this. We love boxing as well on this podcast. And we are jam-packed here. Because not only do we have fights in the ring, but we got news outside of the ring as well, including what appears to be the Puerto Rican authorities solving the decade-old murder of Hall of Famer Hector Macho Camacho. And we're going to go right to a guy that has spent a lot of time looking into uh, the Macho Man's uh, murder and homicide and did a documentary not only about his killing, but eventually about his entire Hall of Fame boxing career. We've got that interview coming straight ahead here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. You won't want to go anywhere for that. Fight cards in the ring, including on Friday night as we release the podcast here. The Showbox uh, Prospect Series is in Deadwood, South Dakota, of all places. We are interested not only in the main event that will be taking place in the junior middleweight division between um Ardeal Holmes and Vernon Brown, a couple of unbeaten prospects, but the son of former two-division world champion Raul Marquez, Marquez, who is a Showtime boxing broadcaster, his son Gio Marquez, Giovanni Marquez, will make his professional debut, a former National Golden Gloves champion for 2021. Giovanni Marquez and Raul Marquez will join us together later on this podcast as we look forward to that Friday night showbox card. And again, if you're listening after Friday night, you already know the fight results, perhaps, and how things went. But I'm uh, I'm really anxious in the preview mode to talk to those guys in just a little bit. And we do have a championship fight card as well. This one in Nottingham, England, upcoming for the Matchroom DAZN show there. Lee Wood defends his WBA secondary uh, featherweight championship, and that will be against Michael Mick Conlon. Uh, Conlon not fighting on St. Patrick's Day, but the week before, uh, Conlon unbeaten Irish hero fighting uh, Wood, an, an English uh, star, should be an entertaining, action-packed 12-round main event for that secondary 126-pound 
championship that headlines the matchroom boxing carts. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on in the program. Okay, so lots to get to. As I mentioned, the Puerto Rican authorities have now named not one, not two, but five different suspects in conjunction with the murder of Hector Camacho that happened in November of 2012. Camacho was shot to death uh, outside of a San Juan nightclub. He and another individual both murdered while sitting in a vehicle uh, outside the nightclub. It has been years and years and years where the San Juan police and prosecutors have looked into this case. Can they get arrest? Most importantly, can they get a conviction? Now believe that now believe they will. And four of the individuals that have been named as suspects and are now being arraigned in court are already incarcerated, three of them in Florida, one of them in Puerto Rico, and the fifth individual was arrested on Wednesday morning early at his home, and it is believed that the shooter in the, in the situation is one of those five, that he is named as the one that murdered the two individuals in November of 2012, including Hector Camacho. So we're going to get to the bottom of that coming up and, and talk in a little more detail with Eric Drath, Eric did a great job on the Hector Camacho documentary. Speaking of Showtime, Showtime released it in the winter of 2020, almost, uh, what, about 13, 14 months ago. And, I, and we talked to Eric Draft then about the fantastic documentary he had done. He, he set out to try to figure out and solve the murder. What happened? The whodunit. And in the midst of hours and hours and hours of interviews and and dozens and dozens of hours of research and editing they decided you know we need to also expand this into the boxing career the flamboyance that was Hector Camacho and you'll hear Eric Draft say this in a few moments you can't overstate how big of a draw he was how much attention there was around him in the smaller weight classes lightweight uh, then eventually welterweight etc and Camacho was fighting the biggest names uh, as well in his heyday. Uh, multi-division world champion, boxing Hall of Famer. So Eric Draft told that story. I'm interested in hearing from him about the arrests here and the eventual upcoming trial uh, involving these individuals and this unsolved murder a decade later. So Eric Drath, straight ahead for conversation on that. Some news of the week that's coming out. Fox uh, and PBC, Fox Sports and PBC, did announce that coming in a couple of weeks, Australian star Tim Zhu will make his United States debut. I made a rhyme, and I wasn't even trying. I can make a rhyme anytime. Zhu fighting uh, out of Sydney, Australia, will fight uh, Terrell Gauchet, Gauchet, a former U.S. Olympian, a veteran 154-pounder. Zoo was originally supposed to have this fight as the co-feature on the Jermel Charlo battle with Brian Castaño for the undisputed uh, junior middleweight championship, the four-belt uh, world championship fight that is now delayed. Castaño is injured, so they can't have that title fight. So instead, it will be a Fox-PBC uh, showing not a Showtime pay-per-view where Zoo will make his debut in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So he's coming in a couple of weeks, probably already in the United States shortly, if not here already, to train and get ready uh, and get acclimated to the U.S. Uh, time zone, uh, the time difference, uh, about 13, 14 hours when it's nighttime there, it's morning here, when it's morning uh, there, it's nighttime here. So uh, Zoo's got to get acclimated to all of that. Uh, having uh, accumulated some significant wins over the last couple of years in Australia. Now he'll fight Gauche and more than likely will get the winner of the Castaño 
uh, Jamil Charlo fight. And I will say this, if Castaño remains injured, they ought to advance Tim Zhu right into fighting Jamel Charlo in what I think would be a very entertaining uh, 154-pound unification bout as Charlo has three of the belts, the WBC, WBA, and IBF championships. So we'll see how it all sorts out. But uh, Zoo again here in the United States to have that fight in a couple of weeks. We're anxious to see what he can do. What else do we have for you on uh, on news of the week? It looks as though Jaime Munguia will be fighting uh, for the WBO middleweight championship, and he may be fighting WBC champion uh, Jermall Charlo, the other, the older brother, uh, the the twin brother of Jermall Charlo. Jermall Charlo looking to make the latest defense of his championship, but he's had a lot of problems outside of the ring, including an arrest earlier this year for an assault in the fall of last year just outside of Houston, Texas. Jamal Charlo has bonded out of jail and is awaiting a court hearing at the end of this month. It's expected that Jamal Charlo will still be able to defend his title. Will it be against the unbeaten Munguia, who recently scored a knockout in his latest fight that uh, continues his successful run, the former WBO junior middleweight champion. He's now fought at middleweight as the number one contender for the WBO and now the number one contender as well for the WBC for about his last five fights. So Munguia looking to get that fight. We'll see what happens there uh, as part of uh, the upcoming News of the Week. Munguia also has a purse bid situation if he wants to fight for the WBO version of the middleweight championship. It's it's a lesser fight, though. It's a mandatory WBO defense. And I'm going to try the name. Janabek Amekanali, if I have it right, of Kazakhstan. Uh, Almekanali is an unbeaten, lesser-known fighter. He's certainly not the name that Jermall Charlo is. Munguia would get more money, and it would be bigger and, and better for the pay-per-view if that's the fight. We'll see what Munguia elects to do. All right, so there's some of the news of this week. Again, we've got a world title fight that we'll be talking about later on, this showbox card in South Dakota that we'll be talking about later on in an interview um, with Giovanni Marquez making his professional debut. His dad, Raul Marquez, also with him, the former two-division world champ. I'm anxious to give you that conversation and that interview later on in the podcast. But let's get back to this Hector Camacho uh, situation. I think you're going to find this conversation fascinating here. Ten years we've been waiting for the uh, murder to be solved, for the uh, the uh, authorities and the prosecutors to say, okay, who, here's who we're bringing to justice. I know for Camacho's family, his son Hector Jr., his mother, the extended family, they have wanted uh, closure and arrest, justice to be done. It looks like we're headed on that path. Let's get to an, uh, an interview and a conversation that will shed more light on it right now on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. As promised, when I saw the news about the formalities and the arrest of suspects and or the believed shooter in the Hector Camacho unsolved murder of the last 10 years, the first name that I thought of, the first name that I thought of was the filmmaker of the Macho documentary, the story of Hector Camacho, Eric Drath. We had Eric on just over a year ago when the documentary was released. And so I got to get him back on on the Big Fight Weekend podcast to get a little bit of closure here to what's going on. So we bring Eric aboard. Great to have you, especially on short notice. Eric's going five different directions because he's working on another project that he can't really talk about, not even to me off the air. It's like the CIA. I'm, I don't have clearance uh, for that level. But Eric said, hey, I've got some time. I can come on with you. We made it happen. Thank you for your willingness to come on, Eric. Good to have you back. Thanks so much, TJ. It's great to be back. So we found out 
on Wednesday that the Puerto Rican authorities have made multiple arrests. Four of the individuals were already incarcerated either in Florida or in Puerto Rico. One other person arrested on Wednesday. The first question I would have for you, doing the great job you did with the documentary, investigating everything every which direction, did you have any sources or any kind of inkling or tip-off that there was movement here and arrests imminent? Or were you surprised maybe like the rest of us that are fans of the sport, boxing media, to be learning this news here uh, on a March Wednesday, as it turned out? almost 10 years later after Hector Camacho was murdered? Um, well, we actually were told during the making of the film, um, as you'll see at the last, you know, without being a spoiler, uh, you'll see that that the, the police seemed to indicate that they knew who did it. And I think they've known who, uh, who was involved for a while, but they just didn't have someone that was going to step forward and, and be an eyewitness they didn't have the evidence. So I think it was really frustrating for them for a long time, knowing who was involved and, uh, and not being able to make an arrest. You know, two of the individuals, um, well, three of the individuals that were charged were actually brought in right after the incident. Uh, one of whom, uh, there were two brothers and another uh, individual. And one of the brothers was actually murdered at a Denny's not long after uh, the murder of uh, Macho Camacho and Mojica. Um, but uh, so those two individuals were brought in. They were questioned. There wasn't enough evidence and they were allowed to walk. Uh, then they got into subsequent trouble and uh, were, were arrested on other charges. So they've been in the system for a while uh, in, in prison uh, for gun charges uh, and uh, but they were not uh, brought to justice for the murder and not and nothing was announced till actually just a couple of days ago. Very interesting. So many layers to this. I, I love getting the chance to have these conversations, but I promised Eric we're not going to go on for half an hour or an hour or more uh, about this. So just to uh, enlighten people here again in your documentary, you did such a great job of spelling this out. There are so many unsolved murders, unsolved, serious, violent crimes. In fact, if I believe I have it correct, your documentary talked about that three out of every four murders typically in Puerto Rico go unsolved or at least have been unsolved for a long time. Point being, it's not that uncommon, even for a famous uh, homicide victim like Hector Macho Camacho was nearly a decade ago. For this to go, it's remarkable. We think of it differently in the United States. How can that be? Not the case in Puerto Rico. Elaborate on that, if you would, please. Well, you know, you, you hear statistics and you think, oh, my God, that's horrible. And, and, and you, 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 it's just kind of like something people say and it, and it seems bad. But it didn't hit home until while making the documentary, we interviewed um, one of Macho's best friends and he was murdered while we were making the documentary and to this day his murderers are walking free too so had that not happened while we were making the documentary it would have been more of like a statistic that you hear and something that you're like oh wow that sounds bad but it actually happened while we were making the documentary and it really hit home uh and and, 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 and as you point out, if they can't solve Camacho's murder, whose murder can they, you know, solve? I mean, he's he's one of the greatest 
exports from from Puerto Rico ever, at least in the boxing ring. Uh, one amongst many, I, I must say. Certainly one of the most flamboyant, one of the most well-known, posthumously put in the Boxing Hall of Fame. All of those things apply as we talk with Eric Draft. Eric is the filmmaker of Macho, the documentary story of Her- of Hector Camacho's uh, life and, uh, and, and ultimately untimely murder, his death um, it, back in 2012. And again, the news this week that finally, after almost a decade, there are suspects being charged including the alleged shooter in this situation and i was thinking this because i've heard it so many times in and around legal cases it's a difference on what you know and what you can prove and obviously the san juan authorities now believe murder doesn't have a statute of limitations they took their time what can we prove when we go to trial because it does no one any good including camacho's mother uh, and his family and anybody else, if you go to trial and you swing and miss because you can't prove it with witnesses and corroboration, they took their time and they obviously believe they can prove it now. So that's that's an important part of this. Yeah. Um, say something about being around his mom. That really was it was a touching part of the documentary that even almost a decade later, when you were talking to her, she's still devastated, heartbroken. This was the this was the light of her world, if I can use that phrase. Uh, and and in the uh, the story and the reporting that I've seen, she was so elated that she was uh, in the San Juan police headquarters with her fist raised saying, thank you, thank you, finally, finally. What does that mean to you after you spent so much time with Camacho's mom? First of all, she's one of the sweetest women I've ever met. And her son was everything to her. Um, just, you could just tell the bond that they had. Uh, if you want to really understand uh what camacho was like what macho camacho is like hanging out with hang out with her mom his mom she has so much energy so much spirit loves to laugh loves life uh you know just just a you know a true appetite for living a wonderful woman and yeah it was hard you know when, when i found her in the beginning of the of making the film completely bereft and completely, you know, uh, still trying to, to put the pieces of her life together. And by the end, when we, when we started to get some traction, you know, uh, and again, like I said, you know, they, they basically said they know who did it, uh, but they couldn't make an arrest at that point. Um, I, I got to believe that the evidence that they have now is going to be rock solid. Cause if they were to bring these, these guys to, uh, to trial now and not win, it would be huge egg on the face. I mean, look, you know, there's, there's been plenty of, of, of cases that haven't gone the way they should have. Uh, but I would think that they, they really have a solid case. Now, while we were making the film, we actually filmed a lot of the investigation that we didn't put into the documentary. And the reason was twofold. One, I think we were getting pretty close to the truth. And we didn't want to mess up the investigation, but we did report all of our information to the FBI, who we worked with behind the scenes, as well as the police. And the second reason was, was that it's hard to make a film in 90 minutes with a life that could take, could be seasons worth of of storytelling (laughs) and cram it into- I was going to say, can I just interject? You could have done nine hours on Macho and I would have watched and many people would have watched. Continue on on the point, please. Right. So, so, so we, I want, I had to touch the murder and and kind of go there, but there was one time and, and interestingly, 
it wasn't long before we sent the final cut to Showtime to approve and to air where it was a different film. It was a lot more of the investigation. And I, I just said, you know what? We, we don't have enough of his life. We have a lot of his death, but not of a lot of his life. And then there was also um, something which, you know, I, I, I heard today and, and it was in Spanish on one of the Spanish interviews on Telemundo, and I don't speak Spanish and understand it fluently, uh, so or speak it fluently and understand it that well. But apparently somebody hinted at the fact that the murder might not have been uh, directed at the at, at Andre Morita. It actually could have been targeted for Macha. And all along when we were doing the investigation, they said, oh, Macho was in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's a chance that that might come out that that's not the case. Our information was that there was interest in um, insurance money uh, and that it was a hit put on uh, um, Andre and that um, you know Camacho was collateral damage. But we didn't report that in the, in the documentary. Interesting. Love the layers to this story. Do you believe, as is always the case, it's juicy in these legal cases, I have to believe they have a cooperating suspect or witness here that's helping them and, and putting the pieces together. Logic would dictate that, that somebody is talking and helping them and is going to be the key witness in this, right? Yeah. So what, from what I understand, and again, you know, it's all, this is all happening in real time. And, you know, if, if we find out something else, I'm happy to come back and give you, you know, more information. But from what sure. I'm understanding now is that they had an original eyewitness who came forward and that's how they were able to bring these guys in. But the witness changed his mind and disappeared. And now they have him again. Maybe they arrested him uh, on other charges and he was already in jail but they have a cooperating witness and that's the way they were able to really, you know, build their case down. And they may very well, I don't know this, this is complete speculation, but they may very well uh, have one of the conspirators, one of the perpetrators who is maybe facing life or the death penalty, the same way that the other ones are. It often happens this way where they convince one of them, tell us what happened, tell us, put the gun in the hand of the person that did this and we will spare you or lessen you. And that may, be, may very well be uh, what's going to come of this case. Okay. A couple of more for you. Um, what is this closure a little bit? For you, we don't have a conviction yet, but do you feel a little bit of closure having made the film and having set out in large part to try to help solve this? What do you feel? Um, well, it was very frustrating. Um, we got a very nice letter from the, um, the head of the FBI down in San Juan saying thank you for, for putting the attention back on the story. I don't think they ever were not working on it, but you know, it was very frustrating. We're like, Okay, so who's in charge of the case? Oh, it's this guy. Oh, but now it's this guy. The, the, the um, you know, the, the lead investigator changed more times than I can, than you can imagine. So it was really frustrating. It didn't seem like there, that anything was, it was happening. So now that something has changed, yeah, it is, it is satisfying. And I feel like we might not have like directly said, okay, it was this person or that person. We certainly went and investigated some of the theories and, and shared it with the FBI. But I think just, you know, this is a case of the media, you know, helping, 
you know, we put more attention on it. We put, you know, we didn't stop. We banged on doors. We interviewed people. And, and sometimes that's what it takes. Um, this is good for Puerto Rico. You know, Puerto Rico needs to show that, that it's safe again. You know, that, that they can solve their murders, that they can welcome tourists, that they can, you know, you know, bring justice to those people who need to be brought to justice. So it's a win for the family. It's a win for the, the police, the FBI down there who are working behind the scenes uh, and, and for, for lovers of justice, which I think we all are. Eric Drath with us for just another moment or two. Macho is the documentary uh, that uh, was released through Showtime. It is available through Showtime's app and through their on-demand service. You can find it uh, through there. Uh, just did a tremendous job, if I do say so. It's almost like I'm a PR guy for him, but I can't say enough about the job that he did. Say something here on the podcast, too, because as you mentioned, you feature this man's career in the ring. And when you look at the likes of Edwin Rosario, uh, Boom Boom Mancini that he defeated, the 25th anniversary of him retiring Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard's last fight coming out of retirement was against Hector Camacho. Camacho knocked him down and stopped him in 1997, 25 years ago. The anniversary was just a couple of weeks ago. The man had a Hall of Fame career. He was flamboyant. He was as popular and well-known as a non-heavyweight as anybody probably in the 1980s and early 90s. Yes? Yeah, I mean, he certainly filled the gap uh, after Leonard and before Tyson, you know, Hector Camacho ruled the airwaves. He was, he carried the sport and rightfully so. He was a showman. He had, you know, unbelievable, superpowering speed, uh, you know, and, you know, he never had that one seminal fight uh, besides Rosario, which, you know, really kind of changed his style, but he brought so much, uh, panache so much uh, dazzle razzle dazzle to the sport when the sport needed it so boxing fans were indebted to this guy this guy carried the sport on his shoulders maybe it was a brief moment although he had a long career but he certainly added to the wonderful fabric that makes up the boxing world there's no doubt about all of that and the hall of fame names that he fought uh, including Julio Cesar Chavez. I mean, I remember I wrote this, and I'm looking back on an archived article that we wrote about your documentary and about him in there. He battled Chavez and took tremendous punishment and showed tremendous heart when a lot of people thought he was only flash and really that if somebody hit him hard, he would give up, he would knuckle under, he would he would quit on his stool. That didn't happen that night. He may have gained as much respect with, Ch with Chavez brutalizing him and taking the beating and lasting as long as he did in some that he did in some of his spectacular wins so what a career for Camacho again I'm like it's like I'm on Eric's PR staff go watch the documentary go see the documentary that is phenomenal on the investigation into the murder but also weaving in his boxing career his hall of fame boxing career Macho the Hector Camacho story and documentary uh from Showtime and from Eric's production company uh, plug away. What else? What else do I need to plug away for you? I know you've got an un uh, an unnamed. You can't talk about it. Project that's going to be coming out again. You've done other boxing films. Plug away on what else besides Macho? Just real quick, Eric. Really quickly. I mean, um, we're also working on uh, releasing a documentary on Dick Barnett and his HBCU team from the uh, 1957, 58, 59, and. Don't stop listening when I say that and think, oh, it's an archival film. It's not. It's a contemporary film as we follow Dick Barnett 
at this late age in his life and he tries to get his team inducted into the basketball hall of fame finally. And uh, it's a beautiful story. It's a, it's a moving story and it's a story people should see about never giving up. Uh, So I've been really proud to work on that where we just got into a film festival. So we're going to start the film festival route. And then, uh, you know, people, even as far as Steph, Curry and uh, uh, Rich Paul and a lot of basketball players are really interested in this doc. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is interested in it. So we'll see where it winds up. It's a, it's a really important story uh, for, for, for everybody to see. And it feels good to work on a story like this. And like you said, I'm working on something that I'm going to come back here, hopefully, and share with you. uh, That's a a big, uh, a big project I've been wanting to do for about 10, 11 years. So. Now that is a tease. I love me a good tease. That is a tease. Stay tuned from Eric Draft. And by the way, I'll plug again, as I did when you were with me before, the uh, the Assault in the Ring documentary with Luis Resto and what happened with Billy Collins in the 1980s. If you are a nostalgic, nostalgic fight fan, even if you are not, Eric did a masterful job of all the angles of storytelling on that, including uh, exactly how the whole assault in the ring with the padding being taken out of the gloves happened in the, in the big time fight, Panama Lewis's involvement, a, a definite controversial uh, figure that got banned from the sport. Resto ended up getting charged. Get the, go see the documentary. I can't give you any more than that. Go see the documentary and see the story that Eric tells with that, as well as the Hector Camacho documentary uh, as well. Listen, you're great to spend some time with me tonight. I know that you are busy, uh, but uh, but again, I, I, can't, I can't say it any other way. As soon as I saw this news, I said, I got to find Eric Draft. And I found you. I put the bat signal up figuratively, and I found you. So thank you for getting back to me. And I appreciate your time on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, sir. Good luck with the projects and everything you have going on. And we want people to watch Macho, the Hector Camacho story. One more time, tell them why to watch Macho. One more, go. Uh, well, you know, it's it's a film that that really celebrates the life and investigates the death. And, you know, he brought so much life, life to the sport. It's a fun watch. It's a sad watch. But, you know... Uh, it was a Jimmy V who said, you know, when he was dying, you know, every day, every day we should laugh, we should cry and we should think. And if we do all three of those things, you got your money's worth. And hopefully this documentary uh, you'll feel that way about. I love it. Eric draft. Thank you. Great stuff. I appreciate it. Good luck with the other projects. Thank you for hanging with me on the big fight weekend podcast. All right. Thanks TJ. Take care. There we go. Uh, And again, great insight here. And let's see what the authorities do in San Juan, uh, Puerto Rico with the prosecution of this case and what the timeline will be. Probably a trial in the fall of this year. Maybe there are going to be guilty pleas uh, as well. Again, you've got individuals that are already serving prison time, three of them in Florida, one of them that's been in uh, prison in Puerto Rico. As Eric Drath was talking about, the authorities have known for a while who these individuals are. So now uh, we wait to see uh, what exactly is going to happen here with the timeline of the trial and justice again for the family of uh, Hector Camacho uh, involving his murder that happened, my goodness, a decade ago. Essentially, it'll be it'll be 10 years this December 
It's roughly been just over nine years and about three months, and now there are charges uh, pending in that case. So there you go. I, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We'll get things back in the ring. The Showbox Series is in South Dakota Friday night, depending on when you're hearing the podcast. I'm anxious to see what's going to happen on Friday evening, in particular with the son of Raul Marquez. You'll hear from Giovanni Marquez coming up about his professional debut. Uh, we'll have that straight ahead as we continue. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Of course, we're ready for all the college basketball mayhem to be going on, and WinBet is helping you cash in. Right now, they've got a bonus for the madness of March. All users who bet at least $50 on a men's college basketball champion futures uh, play will get a $10 free bet for each game that team wins in the tournament. That's round of 16 through championship play only. So again, make that wager of at least 50 bucks on a future team to win the NCAA tournament. And as they continue to win games in the tournament, you'll get free bet plays. Also, users can get a $50 free bet play if they win, lose, or push on a $50 or more bet on Saturday, Sunday games all the way through to the Final Four. So weekend bonus play can be used towards the upcoming college basketball action. You can use it on the NBA and much more. Go to the WinBet Casino and go to the WinBet Casino a mobile app, wherever it is available in all the states that are available, and you've got a chance to get a match bonus right now from WinBet, 100% first deposit match bonus up to $1,000. 100% deposit match bonus for you to play with any way that you want. All right, all these objects are, or all these offers rather are subject to change. The terms and conditions are at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state to play where WinBet is available. And they're coming online on some new states, so check it out more at winbet.com and the WinBet mobile app if your state has it. A reminder, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, you can call one 1-800-522-4700 to find out more. All right, uh, there you go. You bet, you win with our friends at WinBet. Hey, we're also brought to you in part by Stable Duel. There are never enough things to gamble on, and one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. And the best part is now there's a new way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $15,000 with one entry. And this Saturday, they even have a $40,000 contest. If you don't know anything about horses, not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at StableDuel.com. Multiple games are offered each day. Free games weekly at all tracks all over the United States. Get the app, create the account, start building your stable today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against other stables. You can even follow them on the app and compare your own stats to theirs. Download it now, StableDuel.com, and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner's circle. Play, race, win with Stable Duel. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, where America buys and sells their sports bets. The March to Madness is right around the corner, and PropSwap is your place to cash in for the big dance. Every season, prop swappers make thousands of dollars by simply buying and selling college basketball teams. And now is the time to find those Cinderella's while the odds are really high. So get into your sports book, buy a handful of tickets, and then just list them on PropSwap. Remember, only one team needs to make a run, and that ticket will pay for the rest. 
Every season, prop swappers make thousands of dollars by simply buying and selling college basketball teams. And as an example, Gil from New Jersey purchased a Murray State Futures ticket to win the championship on PropSwap at 225-1 to 1 odds. Well, right now, most sports books are only offering Murray State at 150-1 to 1 as they continue to roll through the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament in the automatic bid. Murray State's going to be an upset-minded team. So Gill's ticket from New Jersey looking much, much better. Now's the time to find those Cinderella's while the odds are still high. Cash them out then on PropSwap once the tourney starts and they start winning games. PropSwap has thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll always find the best odds and collect the most money for your bets. Hurry up, download the free PropSwap app today. It has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and the red-hot tickets that are for sale, a loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash, and a first deposit cash match using our promo code SGP on your first deposit. And PropSwap will match that deposit up to $500. Join real sports bettors on PropSwap. That's where America buys and sells sports bets. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. We do continue along, and I get a double header here, and I love this. As part of the upcoming Showbox card for this Friday in South Dakota, I am looking forward to what's going to happen with everything on this card, including Giovanni Marquez, the 2021 National Golden Gloves champion, the son of the former world champion and Showtime broadcaster Raul Marquez, is on this card. I am anxious to see what's going to happen uh, here in his professional debut. And these guys are both with me right now here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Raul, I know we've had you on before. Welcome back. Good to have you. And I know, Thank Gio, you. you're anxious to get this going uh, here coming up. It's good to have you as well, Gio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So this is a fun thing. And I joke with these guys before we hit the record button. Raul, usually you take precedent. You're a former world champion. But I'm here to talk to the fighter. The fighter's your son. Gio, I don't blame you. We got to talk to the fighter first. Gio you're is right. a national Golden Gloves champ. What does it mean to be making your professional debut coming Friday night on Showtime? Oh, this is a dream come true. You know, I've always had dreams of fighting on Showtime, Showbox. And for it to for me to be making my professional debut is truly a dream come true. And I'm thankful and grateful for the opportunity. And I'm I'm excited. And I'm ready to just, just go out there and shine Friday night. You know, I'm sure, uh, including with your father, you've gotten all kinds of advice about the transition from being an amateur fighter to a professional fighter. What are you going to focus on the most as you get ready to do this for real, for money, for prize fighting, for all that? What are you focused on the most? And maybe it's a couple of things headed into Friday night. Oh, there's a lot of things that I'm focused on. Um, 
as far as preparation, obviously training hard, staying dedicated to my craft, um, staying disciplined in my diet. And uh, come fight night, I'm focused on, you know, just staying cool, calm, relaxed, and just going out there and doing what I do best, and that's boxing and winning. Again, you will fight a Dominican fighter who's had a couple of fights in Nelson Morales. This is a super lightweight uh, four-rounder as part of a co-feature. One more fun one. I know your dad fought a lot of famed fights in a lot of different places. Are you going to have any sentimental likeness trunks? Any, uh, you, are you allowed to reveal that to us or anybody else, or do we have to tune in on Showbox and see if there's a little tribute to dad in the attire, the robe, the trunks, whatever, Gio? Uh, actually, there. I'm gonna just tell you straight up. There's nothing of that nature. Uh, I'll be wearing. My, I'll be rocking my own gear and my own style. Yeah. Uh, do you pattern any of your fighting style or the way that you do things after what you da- what your dad did? Uh, is there a thing or two? Um. So I'm predominantly right-handed, but I can switch to the left-handed stance. He obviously was a southpaw fighter. So when I switch to that left-handed stance there's things that he did that you may see in me. All right. Fair enough. We're anxious for that. Not as anxious as our other guest is. That is the father of Gio Marquez, <laughs> Raul Marquez, the former world champion. He's on the Showtime broadcast all the time. But now, now, Dad, you're going to be in the corner for Gio's debut. What is this week like? How anxious are you? What about it, Raul? Well, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, it is my son. It's it's very normal to get nervous. But just seeing Giovanni all through the training camp and, you know, the Showtime cameras uh, following him and then doing features on him and all the interviews. And I see how hard he worked. Uh, He's in great shape. The kid is very focused. So that gives me an ease, you know. It it makes me be more relaxed. And I, and I'm ready to I'm ready for this challenge, you know, for to work my son's corner as a trainer, and then come back and you know go back to the locker room and put my suit and tie on and finish the broadcast with Barry Tompkins and Brian Campbell and Steve Farhood. I mean that that's my job. That's what I do. I've been with Showtime for ten years, and I feel very comfortable with them. I, you know, it's not like I get nervous or anything. So, I mean, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I love this insight. Just another couple of minutes. Raul Marquez talking right there. You know that voice if you follow Showtime's boxing. His son, Giovanni, making a super lightweight professional debut, very decorated amateur fighter. Raul, I've heard many other great players in different sports and even great fighters uh, talk about it's one thing to do this. It's one thing to do it yourself, but then to try to convey it to somebody else as a cornerman, as a trainer, as a manager – how hard is that for you to get the point across when normally Raul, the fighter, would just go out and do it? Well, look, I, I think my, you know, my uh, my son, it, it, you know, he's he he's he listens. You know, he, he's a guy that listens. Uh, he's very athletic, and uh, he wants to learn. He wants to learn because in boxing, you never stop learning. And uh, so we got good communication. We communicate very well. Uh, I have an open mind. I I let my fighter have his opinion or what he thinks and I listen and we talk about it. So that means a lot when you, when you have a good relationship, and you have good communication, uh, it's going to work just like in a marriage, you know, just uh, like in a marriage, if you communicate well with your wife and you know, whenever you think, whenever you were wrong, which is most of the time in your situation, <laughs> you're probably wrong all the time. And you admit that you're wrong. 
then you're going to be okay. You like that, huh? This is the Raul giving the marriage advice. I'm a married man of 26 <laughs> a, years, and we're all, we're all a step away from being on the couch or out the door. But the best yeah. thing is happy wife, happy life. You're absolutely That's right. It. Same thing. Happy fighter is going to be a successful fighter for absolutely. what's coming up on uh, on Saturday. And again, the main event in this prospect series that's now in its 21st year is Andriel Holmes facing Vernon Brown, the 10-round uh, main event that will be coming up from South Dakota. Gio, I'm going to joke with you. South Dakota. There's not a lot to do in South Dakota except go try to beat somebody up professionally in your day. There ain't a lot going on, right, in South Dakota. True? True. Uh, we just got in today, long day of traveling, and it's it's cold out here. It's snowing. <laughs> but but the views the views are beautiful. We don't see a sure. lot of mountains and snow and back home in Houston, Texas. So Deadwood, nice. Deadwood, South Dakota, to be exact. Deadwood, yes. yes I sir. love some of those names of those towns. All right, Geo, this is your first chance to do it. You've been doing it in other interviews. You're a professional fighter now. Tell us why they need to be watching Showbox coming Friday night for your debut. You're on. Go. As an amateur, you know, everyone came to watch my fights because I always put on exciting fights. Come Friday, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm coming to win and win in outstanding fashion. Raul, he's a pro already at being able yeah, to sell he, the fights. I, I wonder where he got some of that from. Maybe from dad, from Raul Marquez with some of that. The Marquez well, has been, been here with me on Big Fight yes, Weekend. Gio, good luck in your debut. Raul. Good luck Thank keeping you. it together with all the emotions in the corner. We're going to look forward to you being in the corner and then being on the broadcast, as you mentioned, with uh, Barry Tompkins and Brian Campbell and Steve Farhood for Showbox Friday night. Raul and Gio Marquez. You know what? No, no, wait a minute. Gio and Gio. Raul Marquez. Marquez. There Thank we go. Thank you for being with us here I'm on a the has been. Weekend I'm podcast. the past. I'm a has-been, buddy. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. So, again, looking forward to the prospects fighting on Showtime in the Showbox series from the Deadwood Mountain Grand Hotel, Deadwood, South Dakota, is where they're going to be fighting on Friday night. And, again, if you're listening, as we head to the weekend, you may already know these results. Again, Ardriel Holmes uh, battling Vernon Brown. That's a, a fight, again, of junior middleweight prospects. We're anxious to see what they're going to be able to do. But also Giovanni Marquez uh, fighting a, a fighter... Uh, in this instance, that is 2-0 in his career. Marquez will make his debut as a junior lightweight uh, coming up in this uh, four-round professional bout. Actually, a super lightweight, forgive me, junior, junior welterweight clash. Uh, again, Raul Marquez in his corner, as we just talked about, and then he'll later be on the broadcast as well with Barry Tompkins and Brian Campbell and company. So that's the Showbox card coming on uh, Friday evening, then on Saturday afternoon, U.S. time from Nottingham, England in the Nottingham Arena, the Matchroom DeZone main event has Lee Wood defending his version of the WBA featherweight title, 126-pound title against Michael Conlon of Ireland. Conlon at 16-0 with eight KOs is one of the top stars out of Ireland. Uh, so they will have this battle in a 12-round main event for the secondary WBA Featherweight Championship, uh, Wood at 25-2. and two. There'll be a partisan crowd for Wood in his country, but Conlon will have fans as well. Again, a week short of St. Patrick's Day. Also on that card, uh, coming from uh, Nottingham, England, the, uh, the other feature bout that will be the co-feature, Terry Harper will uh, battle in a 10-round bout against Yamila Abdelaneda. Uh, that's coming as the co-feature in that fight. So 
Uh, that's Eddie Hearn's matchroom show for this weekend, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if Conlon continues because there are some interesting featherweight scraps and opportunities if he can get this secondary WBA belt, puts him in the mix for some other interesting fights if Conlon can remain undefeated in that matchroom uh, main event. We'll see what happens uh, on that. I like Conlon with a bigger punch than what Lee Wood has in what should be an action-packed fight. So in any event, that's the Matchroom to Zone show. Again, with all the college basketball mayhem, ESPN and, and Top Rank obviously not wanting a, a Top Rank show for this weekend, and PBC and Fox have stayed away. They will be back again, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, with Tim Zhu headlining on March 26th as the NCAA tournament winds down. Zhu will headline a three-fight card on PBC on Fox's coverage from Minneapolis. And the Australian junior middleweight going to be very intriguing to see what he can do in his United States debut. As uh, Zoo is, what, 20-0, and 0, has beaten some decent competition in Australia, but it's time for him to get bigger, get a, get, get a broader appeal, more fans, bigger exposure, more money. So he comes to the United States coming at the end of the month. So PBC and Fox without a show this weekend as well, but they'll be back on the 26th. So there you go. That'll do it for this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. My thanks to Eric Drath, the filmmaker of that Hector Camacho documentary. Again, find it through Showtime. It's called Macho. The uh, story of Hector Camacho and the documentary of his life and, unfortunately, his murder almost 10 years ago, a murder that San Juan authorities and U.S. and San Juan prosecutors believe they have solved and will be bringing to trial after over nine years. They will be bringing it to trial later on this year, probably. So thanks to Eric Drath for being with me. Uh, from the filmmaking and from Showtime. Also, speaking of Showtime, that Showbox card on Friday night, thanks to both Giovanni Marquez and his dad, the two-time world champion Raul Marquez, from hanging out here. We'll see how Giovanni does in his debut uh, for this weekend and if big things are ahead for the former National Golden Gloves champion as a professional. For now, we're good. We are done. Enjoy all the fights, including that British fight card that will have Mick Conlon in the main event out of Ireland in the featherweight division. We'll be writing about it in the preview mode and recapping all of it this weekend. For all the news and all the latest with the with the sweet science, we have it on BigFightWeekend.com. Many thanks also to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, however and wherever you have found us. Thank you uh, for doing so, SportsGamblingPodcast.com or a social media link. Make sure you follow or subscribe as this podcast comes your way in the preview mode. Every week we are right here talking the fights on Big Fight Weekend. For now, we're good. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy all of the action, and we thank you for being part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.